0: unfortunately, and it's because I don't remember if I was uh, talking to someone or if I was, uh, I saw, I think I did both, I was talking to somebody and also looked at their hymn book, and I repented of my sin, was blotted out. What? So an evangelical church, two of them in this area, blotted out, I repented of my sin. Why would you ever do that? Well, they believe that repentance is a work and it's not necessary for salvation. That is not a true evangelical church. That is called false. And salvation without repentance is the fastest way to hell. Repentance is demanded by God. We're not just, by the way, this song, is it all about Jesus and what he's done? I mean, it's saturated with it. So then, why in the world would you re- get rid of repentance? I, it burns me. It literally makes me angry. How many understand that? You're tinkering with the gospel, and it's wicked. This is saturated with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ isn't a simple trinket you put in your life and continue your life as you were. Amen? Jesus Christ shows us that we are going the wrong way. And we recognize Him as true Lord and Savior and we repent of, in essence, ourself as Lord and Savior and rely on the only one that can save us repentant is turning from turning to it's turning it's blasphemous to get rid of repentance in salvation period i i and, and i i uh, <sighs> i gotta quit to that song. that <laughs> No, i got to sing it louder. (laughs) All right. Um, This morning, we're continuing our study on the book of Jonah. And uh, I want to bring about one facet. First of all, we've studied Jonah. we've, We've given you... How many of you have... Our understanding, Now we've laid the historical, geographical context, and now we can see it from his point of view. That's what expository preaching is. It's, it, this is what the author's intent is from where the guy wrote the book. And we know now what's going on. Jonah, I'm so tired of Christians saying Jonah was a stinking putz because he didn't go where he was supposed to go. How about you? I am adamant. Adamant. Don't you dare call Him a putz without the realization that you're one too. Because we don't do what God says to do. And if you're going to call Him that, that's what you are too. I hope the historical Aspect of Nineveh helps us understand why Jonah didn't want to do what he was told to do. How many get that? That being said, I will tell you this the author of Jonah does not tell us what he said if he said something to God in the first three chapters. Do you notice that? He doesn't give us a motive of why he didn't go. He doesn't say it. In other words, all he does is actions. So, God tells him to do something, he does the opposite. He doesn't say, there's no word communication with God. Now, listen, could there have been? Yes or no? Okay, but that's a could there have been. The reality is, whether there was or wasn't, it's not recorded. And the question is then, Why? Why is it that Jonah is told by God to do something and all we see is actions? We don't get his motives. How many understand this? I will tell you this there is no motive. There's no specific motive in the first three chapters. Not mentioned. Zero. The only thing, the only closest thing we find with motive is getting away from God leaving from the presence of God. That's all it says. Why? Why is it that way? And I, I want to I encourage you with this. Is that a mistake? Or because it's in the Word, it's absolutely meant to be there and there's a reason? Well, duh. If you're any kind of Christian, you know the answer to that. Right? There is a reason. Okay, so why is this reason? Let me give you some. Jonah is a false prophet. Does it say that? Jonah is a racist. This is a popular one. Does it say that? Jonah is a hyper nationalist. Does it say that? What does it tell us about Jonah? He simply went away from what God said to do. I will tell you this. There is not a person in here who is not guilty of this. When we start judging motives, we are absolutely sinning. You don't know why someone does what they do. True? Husband and wives never deal with this. matter of fact do you remember the text judge not lest you be judged and all the other passages talking about judging not is that what is that saying well one aspect for sure it is saying it by the way it doesn't say we do not look at people's fruit and treat them one way or another whether it's saved or unsaved we don't know their hearts we can't judge that amen How many would agree that we cannot judge their hearts so we don't know? True. Then why in the world are you giving motives to Jonah? He's not even here to defend himself. True. I will tell you this because I am guilty of this also. Every one of us wrongly judge motives. Listen, folks, just like you do not know if someone is saved or unsaved, you cannot tell what their motives of why they're doing what they're doing. To be honest with you, young people, listen closely. If you can understand that truth before you get married, your marriage will be so much better. Because right now, you really don't get it where you're at. Although, I could imagine, why did mom tell me not to eat the chocolate chip cookies? Was it because she wanted me to eat the chocolate chip cookies? I think so. That's as troublesome as it may get. In a marriage, when two people live together 100% of the time, it gets a little dicey and hurtful. If we can stop judging motives... You're going to start enjoying your spouse much better and each other much better. I say that because we're in in every single, I don't care where you go to get a commentary or a study or a sermon on Jonah, I truly believe almost every one of them that I'm aware of, in a sense, makes the motive mistake. Every one of them does. Is that damning to us? Is it? Oh, it should be. And I think that's the reason he doesn't do it. It can be. Again, I don't know, but it can be. And it certainly is a good one. All right. Just to bring you up to speed of where we were, Jonah is the author We believe Jonah is the author. Jonah wrote the book. It is 100% biblical. It is accurate. It is an actual historical event. He was an actual, actual, biblical prophet of God. Jonah means, well, it doesn't matter. This matters. So, the big deal is, Jonah... Jonah lived right there. He was told to go to Nineveh, and he went the very exact opposite. <laughs> and we'll see that in the text this morning, but he went the exact opposite of Joppa, which is still there to call Hafa. and then he went the total opposite way. And everybody looks at him and said, you wicked, dirty, rotten scum well, let me do a little bit of motive pushing. That's really possible. Did Jonah love the Lord? Does it ever say anywhere that he did not love the Lord? Did he know theology? We find in this text, absolutely. I know why this storm's happening. Why? Because the meteorologist said so. No, because I have a God that does this. There is no question he knew who God was. And he obeyed God when it was with Israel. And prophesied positively for them. But here now we have a man that loves the Lord, but he doesn't want to do something. He doesn't want to follow God in this aspect. Let me ask you this. Is it possible? Possible. Okay, motives again. But I'm looking at it as a possibility, not a fact. How many understand? Is it possible that Jonah was heading to Tarshish to preach where the gospel had never been preached before? I guarantee you that has never entered the mind of 99% of you. Yet, it's very possible. When we start going down motives, this is my point. When we start going down the motives, the motives are endless. And the chances of getting it right are pretty slim at best. And then when we preach on those motives, I mean, we're taking all this on ifs, maybes. How horrible is that? Why don't we just say, thus saith the Lord, and let's go. How many understand that today this same problem <laughs> is the very core and foundation of our American problem? Why all of you are racists, and we are going to now give rep, 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 whatever that word is, we're going to give money to those that were hindered. My selfish, immediate thought says, well, what about giving reparations to those that freed the slaves? Because they knew it was wrong. My great, great uncle was Sherman, General Sherman. How many know who he is? He risked his life to break the back of the South. And the reason that war, I truly believe this, one of the reasons for sure, was racism. True? Do we know that? Absolutely. So now, it is popular. And I read two sermons From guys I wouldn't necessarily read, and I'm not going to give their name. But very popular. Everybody reads them. Both of them adamantly claim, Jonah is a racist. We shouldn't be racists. Jonah, well, even the term, listen to this. Okay, so he was a racist. He was the prodigal child. He was, um, what's the word? Oh yes. Did he or did he not include social justice in his preaching? That's part of the sermon about Jonah. From one of the most popular guys there are. Listen, uh, why are you bringing these terms in? Because you're a political hack, sitting in front, acting like a preacher, twisting the Word of God to fit your political narrative, and you don't belong there. What does it say? Don't tell me what you think, I don't care. Social justice wasn't even a thing back then, and you bring it into the text. How many can see my frustrations? How many can see the similarities? How many can see the motivations is a problem back then, just like now? All right, I'm glad you're all on board here. <laughs> so, we know that it was a divided kingdom. We know that Assyria was probing <clears throat> was probing. Um, by the way, can you apply principles without judging motives? Absolutely. That's why last week, we ended up, after we saw these horrific was Assyria godly people. No, God called them what? Wicked. Wicked evil has come up in front of me. I will destroy them. Sounds like racism to me. Is that racism? That's as much racism as when the Bible says, if you steal something with your hand, cut your hand off. Now, I'm not advocating that whatsoever. I'm saying there's, there are disciplines for wrong actions. But those are actions. Are they created in the image of God? Yes or no? Absolutely. Everyone is. And by the way, true racism, has n- there's nothing compatible with what racism is in the church. Nothing. It is an absolute affront and against racism. What the scripture says, we are all made in the image of God. There is no superior race. That is a wicked, wicked, wicked sin. To be honest with you, and I can't judge motives, but I will tell you, you're acting like an unsaved person. You truly are. Corey, could you grab my phone and turn it off? I am sorry, it's right in front of you. That being said, these popular preachers were adamant that he was a racist, racist, bigot, racist. Let me remind you what we found out about the Ninevites. The Ninevites were from Assyria, right up here, right? Israel was right here. They kept probing, killing, and fighting the Israelites day after day. Okay, we're going to probe here and see what happens and kill some of them. And it was a constant battle with them. Not only that, with Israel specifically, but we find all the atrocities of how wicked it truly was. We went through and saw, literally, here's the reality. Israelites or the enemies of Assyria, which Israel is one of them, the enemies of Syria, they would make them grind their family's bones to dust for torture. That's evil, is it not? And last week we talked about the grinding of the bones, the impaling of the whole body, the beating of the head, the ripping out of the tongue, the flaying the people alive. This is how they did their enemies. To say that Jonah was racist and that's why he didn't want to go is an absolute judgment of motivation which you are not able to do. I will tell you this. And I, can't know, I don't know your heart, but I would guess 100% of you would not go either. For multiple reasons. But knowing what we know, I'm not saying we give Jonah a pass, but we certainly understand Jodah's mind of possibly why he didn't want to go there. And there could be a thousand different ones. But the point is, when we understand the background, he's not as much as a putz as we thought he was. And it's impactful to us. Did he disobey God? Absolutely. Was he wrong? Absolutely. No question. That's why last week we gave practical application of what we saw—the horrendousness. As a matter of fact, I had my wife came up to me. I hope that wasn't too gory. <laughs> I think pretty bad. Hey, this is what it is. This is where God told a man to go and preach repentance to. So, the obvious question is do we proclaim God's mercy through Christ to those who we think don't deserve it? Practically, is that a practical application? Absolutely. Do we not proclaim because of self preservation? It's a practical application. I'm too scared. Does that happen in our lives? Verse 3 is where we're at. Let's get to the text, because that's important, right? Is it set up well enough for you? The Bible says in verse 3, but Jonah rose up. No, what, what did he say? God said, get up and come up, right? Right? Jonah says, I rose up, and that word there actually has the idea this is positive. He's obeying God. Get up. He rose up. woo But he rose up to do what? Not to run to the job. Not for the vocation. He rose up to flee. So it sounds good. And by the way, every time that word is used, it's a positive to the command that was given. So this looks like a positive, but slap in the face, he rose up, yes, to go the other way. And we find a little bit of the motives here. Nothing is talked about Ninevites. Not a one thing is there. What is the motive? From the presence of the Lord. That's the motive, according to the first half of the text. Now, there may or may not be more coming later, chapter 4, but right now, all we're given is, I do not want to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, what does that actually mean? I think we need to go to the end of the chapter to find out. We're not doing that because we're not there yet. To flee from Tarshish to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. So what did he do? He went down. It's (laughs) Jonah, he he went exactly the opposite way. The exact verbal objection is, God said go up, I went down. (laughs) No explanation for Jonah's disobedience. The focus is firmly fixed on his actions. Do you see Jonah saying anything here? He ain't saying anything. There is nothing recorded in this first half. So he's saying nothing. So there's no explanation for Jonah's disobedience. The focus is firmly fixed on his actions. The silence regarding Jonah's motives is intentional. Does every word in Scripture matter? Yes or no? Is any word wasted? No. So this is intentional by God. It's intentional by God. Jonah frequently suppresses information where the reader most expects or desires it in order to reveal it later when least expected. This technique called information gapping builds suspense and sometimes it not only builds suspense but it exposes readers' assumptions and prejudices. And to be honest I pray that I do not do this but it's very easy for my prejudices and my assumptions to be preached as biblical authority and that is is wrong. And it has. How many people, including myself, jump to wrong conclusions as to motivation of why Jonah went the other way? He's a racist is one of them. But let's see. And, and, and there are many more. national. I mean, there's so many of them. But the reality is, we're just going to focus on this one just, just so we don't get keep getting ahead of ourselves and let the text stay as it says. So it's, it's part of a, We're going to use that one specifically as an example throughout. Is Jonah really a racist? Let me give you, before we go any farther, two definitions. What is racism? Racism is Prejudice discrimination, antagonism uh, antagonism by an individual community or institution against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group. In essence, they marginalize a minority. How many understand that? Another definition from Webster this time. A belief that race is a fundamental detriment of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Let me ask you, has Jonah said anything about the race of Nineveh. No, he's said nothing. All he's doing is acting. Let me ask you, is that important information, by the way, to understand? So when we look at racism, racism is about a person and who they are. And we think, well... They're not as good as me because they're a different color. Or they're not as good as me because they don't have as many cerebral content. Or whatever. It's about the person, not necessarily, and, and, and I never found it in here, their actions. Listen, if, if racism is based on actions, then when we throw somebody in jail, that's racist. Racist. Well, that's not, that's just simply, yet yeah, that's exactly what some people in this country want us to believe and are shoving down our throat. It's the actions. That, matter, matter of fact, you're racist if you don't believe that, that, that males can be women. Well, is that really racist? Or is it you just believe what the Bible says and that's not true? It's false. It's not that I think I'm smarter than you or anything else. Uh, Time will tell that. (laughs) But the reality is it's sin and wrong and you need to be called out about it. Why? Because we care and this is going to hurt you in the end. It's not healthy for you. But it's not racism. That's ridiculous. If that's the case, every war on this earth has been racist. It it doesn't work, for sure. All right, I get a little excited and lose my place. So, Jonah rose up to flee to what? Tarshish. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go to them, with, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right. So we've got a lot going on here. First of all, where is Tarshish? So if you would look up Tarshish, where is it, on your Google or whatever, you're going to find three different places where that term is close to a town, but they're all in Mediterranean Sea. I will tell you four places it can be. Would that be fair enough for you? Um, And I'm not advocating any of them except for one. I think Tarshish is Tarshish and it's on Spain. That's my opinion. But not everybody agrees with that. Some people believe Tarshish, and the reason that the name of these towns is called Tarshish, all of them are on the sea coast. It has something to do with the, 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 the fundamental term in there, Tarsh. Has something to do with the sea. Some people believe Jonah just wanted to go to sea. Didn't even care. That's one option. Now I'm not saying I agree with that, but it, that's a belief. Secondly, if you go north. Of the Mediterranean Sea, you know where Crete is and it points its finger to the north corner? There's a little town called Tar-something. Then on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean, there's another Tar-something. And then all the way over on the outside of Spain, as you go through the isthmus there, you get to Spain, that little place on the border of the ocean is called Tarshish. I believe that's Tarshish because it's the closest one. Could I be wrong? Yes. Does it matter? I don't know that it really matters and if it did matter a whole lot they would tell us exactly where it is. They didn't. Reality is, I will tell you this. Is there a truth that all Israelites believe that there was Israel and the barbarians? Yes or no? Yeah. Whatever isn't Israel is what? The term Gentile, barbarians, all those those are the terms. The world, sometimes even. The rest of the world. There were two groups. What group is he going to? He's fleeing to Tarshish. That's that really cool Israelite city. On the West side of Spain. Is that true? No, it's not true. Matter of fact, Tarshish is so far away that people believe they didn't even hadn't even heard of God yet. There were a bunch of miners, they were Gentiles, and it was as far away from their mind as they they knew existed. How many understand that? That's where Tarshish was as far away as you could go. But I will tell you this, it's fully, 100% Gentilic. No questions asked. So, so he's fleeing all the way across the Mediterranean Sea, and we'll get pictures here soon, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Here's another, he went down to what city? Joppa. Hey, I want to get away from the presence of the Lord, so I'm going to go to another Israeli city. I would be wrong. Joppa was not owned by Israel. It was not occupied or controlled by Israel. It was absolutely, positively Gentilic. So he's going to go to the Gentiles to do what? Get help. So he's fleeing to Gentile land. There isn't any Israelites as far as we know. He is going to get help from Gentilic people because he knows he, he isn't going to do with Israel. He's going to do with Gentiles. He gets on a Gentile ship with Gentile sailors to go to a Gentile place. Let's just get ahead of the story real quick. What does he tell? Remember, he's racist, according to some people, Right? What does he tell the Gentile sailors to do with his life in order to save their lives? That's racist, to die for somebody. Do you see the problem with with judging motives that Jonah is a racist because he won't go to Nineveh but he'll go to Tarsus. He'll go to Joppa. He will pay. By the way, when it says pay the fare, how many see that? Pay the fare right here? Do you know what that means? People say, well, that was a bus ticket. Nope. The, the, and, and I'm going to get into the Hebrew a little bit here, okay? The Hebrew here, paid the fare, means it's her fare or her price. Do you know what it's talking about? It's not talking specifically about a ticket, which would have been in a male gender. It was a female, and therefore it refers to the whole boat. Do you know what he did? He purchased the whole... He purchased the renting of the whole boat. Well, that couldn't have been cheap. Well, you know, Southwestern charges 79 dollars if they even fly and don't cancel. Right? How about paying for the whole jet that needs food, water and the build and the jet for a whole year? How many think that might be a little expensive? That's the fare that was used. That's what he had to pay. He paid the he I don't know what he had, I don't know what he owned, but he paid a ton of money to disobey God. He paid the fare, went down and to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right, I got ahead of myself, but here is the paid the fare. How many are following what's going on historically here? So, where is this place? <clears throat> Tarsus is up here, Tarshish is up here, and Tarsus is right there. This is the Mediterranean Sea that some people believe it was symbolic, that he was just wanted to go to sea. The problem is, he knew God is the God of land and sea. How do we know that? Oh, we'll, we'll see real soon. Not today, but we'll see. So those are the three place, the four places they are, whatever. This is the biggest one that most people believe it is. This is as far away from anything they ever knew. If they were flatlanders, the if they were flat earthers, uh, the, the the drop-off would be like a mile offshore. How <laughs> many get what I'm trying to say? That's the end of what they knew. Joppa, that's what it looks like today. I love it when we can do that. Joppa is alive and well today. It's got, if I remember right, 60,000 people living in it. It is a mixture of Israelis, some, there are many Arabs, Muslim Arabs, and there are Christian Arabs all in this town of Joppa. But it it was the seaport to get out of Dodge, and that's what he was going to do. So, this is where the whole story lies. Jonah is going to go this way and not deal with what God told him to do. Everybody knows that, right? No one disputes that. So, according to the text, Tarsus, from our historical record, we find that Tarsus was a distant, exotic, Place, a place occupying the very edge of Israel's geographic awareness. According to 2 Corinthians or Chronicles, chapter 9, verse 21, a round trip to Tarsus required. How long do you think? I've heard two different things. I've heard a year. I've heard three years. Regardless, it's a long, long trip. And, and Jonah is ready, ready and willing to take it. His eyes are set on Tarshish. <clears throat> Tarshish is also found in other passages, scriptures in Genesis 10, Psalm 48, Isaiah. It lies in the opposite direction. However you view it, it lies in the opposite direction of Nineveh and indicates Jonah's firm resistance to the commission that God had given him to Nineveh. That's what it indicates. It was considered well worth the time and trouble to go for one to three years because Tarshish's precious metals and its distance from Israel is the perfect place I can go. Now why did he want to go there? Can anybody tell me why he wanted to go there? The Bible doesn't say why he went there. He says he was fleeing from the Lord. But let me ask you, did Jonah cease prophesying? Yes, no. 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 Did Jonah express the Lord to the Gentiles in the boat? Absolutely. I serve the God who all gods serve. Who controls this and that. He was theologically absolute in telling him who he was and who he was serving. Somehow, and for some reason, which is beyond our knowledge, Tarsus is the place he wanted to stay away from the presence of God, or to, to, to get away from the presence of God. Banishment from the prophets' unique experience and divine presence. We should be careful, though, not to misconstrue Jonah's flight as a simplistic, foolish attempt to find a place beyond the scope of Yahweh's knowledge and sovereignty because he later, in in verse 9, confesses that God is the God of the land and the sea. So that's not the issue. Jonah knows this, and at no point does he seriously entertain the possibility of eluding God's presence. That's why this is so important. Away from God's presence, what does that actually mean? We have to keep studying I think it's fair to say Jonah seeks to escape the revelation of God, that he the command that he told him to do. That one's for sure. But why did he do that? Well, we'll need to continue to study to find that out. All right, let's get into the text a little bit more thoroughly. So. I'm going to go back here, okay? So we have the text in our... Jonah rose up to flee. Do you see all these are actions and not speeches? I hate that idea, God. Does he say that? That's a dumb idea. Does he say that? From what we see here, he doesn't say anything. It's just actions and every actions, every action is the exact opposite. Always The exact opposite of what God desired. He paid his fare and went down. In Roman times, the journey would take one to three years. And the reason that is is because they had to restock frequently at ports along the way and wait for favorable winds and trade the cargo that they had. So, What we have here is Jonah goes to a Gentile area in Joppa to flee from his God-given command. Jonah then hires a Gentile boat and crew to flee from his God-given command. But people today want an example of a political, culturally relevant story to drive home the point that racism is wicked and Jonah is a racist. That's a leap at best, and it gets worse. To attach racism to Jonah is more of a political popular rhetoric ploy than good exegesis of the text. The text does not bear this out. To be honest, just as no preacher can adequately articulate that we cannot judge the motives of Jonah without Jonah's own words, which is exactly why the book of Jonah is written without giving us the exact reason why Jonah disobeyed until later in the book, the writer of Jonah literally kept Jonah's motives hidden until the end of the book. The effect of not expressing why the text does not express the motives is that so many people jump to conclusions of what Jonah's motives are. Yet, in a blog written from a certain group, one of the most popular in evangelicalism, they're going to ask a pastor, vice president of the group, some questions about Jonah. They say, we asked questions about Jonah to this man. And lessons from Jonah regarding, here we are, racism, evangelism, and social justice. Does anybody see problems with that? They started with social justice. Here's what they said. Usually, those who are most concerned about working for social justice do not also stand up and speak clearly about the God of the Bible's judgment on those who do not do His will. Here's the problem. If you're going to ask a preacher... Why didn't you preach on, or why did you preach on social justice in Jonah? They're asking the former. They, they, they want to know, you know, how socially just was Jonah? Why are they doing that? Seriously, why are they doing that? Where is social justice in the Bible? Text in this text in Jonah. So he says this, you know, those that are working on social justice do not clearly present the gospel. You think? Then he goes on, they go on and say, on the other hand, those who publicly preach repentance most forcefully forcefully, are not usually known for demanding justice for the oppressed. Let me ask you, were the Assyrians oppressed? Or were they oppressors? They go on. When it comes to evangelism and doing justice, you reject two common ways to conceive of the relationship. So they're arguing with him. They said, we in essence believe. It's like... Two wings of an airplane. There needs to be social justice on one wing and evangelism on the other wing. Does anybody see a problem with that? I have put you to sleep. I am so sorry. (sighs) Does anybody see a problem with Evangelism on one side, social justice on the other side. Let me ask you, when has God called us to social justice? When has God called us to preach repentance to the world? There is no, well, kind of balances. No! (laughs) It's preach repentance! It's the gospel. Why? Because the gospel, the effects of it, will promote biblical justice. Amen. You try to legislate social justice from the bench, you're going to have a revolt. And rightfully so. But... When we people want to do right because it pleases God and that's where their treasure is there you will find peace and rest. Does that make sense? Two wings of an airplane. How? Oh, that's Whoa! Oh. Again, I get a little set about that. So some people say this, you know, social justice. How about how about nationalism? How about oh, What are the warning signs that a healthy patriotism is morphing into idolatry, idolatrous nationalism? And by the way, it can. Our hope is not in Donald Trump. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is not in any political anybody. Our hope is in the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's our hope. When our country and its even its constitution and its bylaws, whatever they are, they do not trump God's words. God's words are the epitome. And praise God, some of our constitution came right out of those words. Praise the Lord. But the reality is, our Bill of Rights as Christians are different than that bill of rights, are more important than the Bill of Rights we enjoy in America. When you flip those, that's why God and then country, right? But reality is should be God, family, country. But there are, I think, biblical cases that family, church are more important than country. Not that country is not important. Do not get me wrong. The the third one they they talked about is was Jonah a racist? How would you respond to someone who says Jonah's superiority conflicts was theological? This just <laughs> this blows my mind. It's theological, not ethical in nature. Okay, what is the definition of racism? Is this your superior? in ethnicity, in some fashion. They're saying he's a racist because he's theologically above them. What? Let me ask you, are you feel, does your neighbor know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Yes or no? Most of you would say no. Does that make you a racist because you know more about scripture than they do? Not at all. Not at all. Matter of fact, if you want somebody to tell you about Jesus Christ, amen. So, here's here's their argument and this is just it's it's mind-blowing. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos and Ezekiel we were all given oracles denouncing pagan nations. None of them refused to deliver them. This is, this is where we have to be careful who we listen to. None of them refused to deliver them, even though they certainly knew they were theologically superior to the nations. Okay, hang on. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos and Ezekiel were not told to go to the most wicked country in the world who have slaughtered your family, who have killed you, who are doing all these horrible things, and tell them to repent. These men were talking to Israel or to Judah, depending on who it was, in the country they were at. You can't conflate those, that's ridiculous. Jonah was the one and only one that was told to get out of Dodge, go to the most wicked place there is, and tell them they're going to go to hell if they don't repent. To To say they're just like Jeremiah, that's just wrong. These are doctor PhD guys telling evangelicals how to preach. How many have a problem with that? Secondly, Secondly, it's a strong indication that Jonah's attitude toward the Gentiles is wrong. Okay, that very statement, according to the text, where is he going? Where's Jonah going? To the Gentiles in Tarshish. It's Gentiles. Who did he ask to take him there? Gentiles. We're going to see in the ship. All hell is breaking loose in the ocean. the, The whole boat's to be exploded. They go down into the ship and they say, Hey, we've got a problem. What does Jonah do? I know, I'm the problem. If you throw me out of the ship into the sea, you Gentiles will be saved. So go ahead. Matter of fact, three times he's going to say it. Throw me in the sea. Kill me. Doesn't that sound racist? Folks, we have a problem in this country and even in evangelicalism because that's where I'm finding this information. Racism is feeling and belief in that you are superior in your ethnicity, in your color, in your thinking. It's in your personhood. You are literally made better than they are. That is not what this is saying. And he's proving it absolutely. He's saying, kill me to save you. That's not a racist thing. That's the exact opposite of racist. If that's racist, Jesus Christ is racist. Because literally, that's the same thing Jesus did. And here's how they, <laughs> this is how they articulate. It's a strong indication that Jonas's attitude towards Gentiles is wrong. That's not true. I just showed you. Here's how they prove it. Do they go to the text? I just went to the text. Here's how they prove it. Listen closely and see if you can figure out the problem. John Calvin, I'll start there. Where do they go? Immediately. I'm going to prove to you that he's a racist because John Calvin... Now, listen. I don't have any problem with John Calvin, but listen to what they say. And listen to the deception. Listen to the deception. John Calvin, no modern liberal, says Jonah's sin was that he was very inhuman in his attitude toward Nineveh. Does anybody see a problem with that? In essence, Jonah is a racist and treats Gentiles wrong because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. First of all, he's going the other way with Gentiles. So you can't conflate, well, oh, so Gentiles are different than Ninevites. They're all Gentiles. That is, you can't go in Scripture and not find that. The reality is, there's something about the actions of Nineveh that deterred him. He doesn't talk about their race. If he did, he would have been talking about the same guys with Joppa and Tarshish and, and the guys he saved. He doesn't. And, okay, and therefore, he says, he refused to treat them as human beings in the image of God and therefore of equal worth with him and his people. I think Calvin is right. <sighs> so what, Calvin said. I believe he's right also, but it doesn't make him a racist against Gentiles. That's a ridiculous statement. All right. The author tells us in the text that we're reading today, twice. The reason we are given that Jonah went the opposite way was to get away from God's presence. He doesn't say anything about Nineveh there. Now, will he talk about Nineveh? Absolutely, because he's going to go there. But at this moment, he is running away because he wants to get away from the presence of God. And yet, Commentator after commentator after commentator. He's racist, racist, racist. And it becomes popular, everybody repeats it, and guess what? Jonah's a racist. All based, all based on not really knowing the motives of Jonah. I will tell you today, Because you're an independent, Bible-believing Christian, you're just a racist. Let me ask you, how do you like that? How many despise that? How many get this? Put yourself in Jonah. I mean, here we are, thousands of years later, we're calling him a racist. And we hate it when people call us a racist. Because it's simply not true. Is there racism in our country? Yes, there are forms of racism in our country. Let me ask you, is our country better than it was? Are you kidding me? In racism. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. What did that, by the way? I think it was the Word of God. That's the only cure to not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Romans chapter 13. The reason I'm bringing all this up is because all we have in the first three chapters is this. It is wrong for us to jump to conclusions. And I think that's part of the issue that he's trying to bring out. If you do not like being called a racist, raise your hand. Is it because they're judging your motives that they're calling you a racist? Do they know your heart? They don't. They are judging you. Don't judge somebody else on motives that you cannot see. It is wrong to judge somebody on what you think the motives may be. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking to them and asking them why. They'll tell you, maybe. But don't judge them. You do not know the heart. I am, this is hard because there's not a lot of information in Jonah. And I'm going to try my best to say my opinion or maybe or something like that. But I cannot and will not and forever will repeal this as far as I'm concerned at this moment. Mm. Anybody who calls them a racist, I have a big problem with it. Especially in today's age, back in the age of whatever. But right now, you're doing it for political reasons. You drank the Kool-Aid and you're reveling in it and bringing the church with you. Stop the woke nonsense. There is right and wrong. Scripture gives it. Preach the Word of God. Everyone needs the gospel. That is our job. Serve, love, love, And preach the word of God. Amen? All right. And this is like, wow, where did that come from? Left field and all that stuff. How many see what the problem is here with giving motives to Jonah? And yet we do the same stinking thing. Be careful. Let the text say what it says. Let God be God. That's his deal. Serve, love, preach the gospel. Stand up for the Word of God. Amen? All right. Mr. Zarin, I'm going to ask you again if you'll close in a word of prayer. If you come up here and close, that would be great. Thank you. Father, thank you for. The lessons that we can glean from the book of Jonah, Father, many things are negative, but, Father, they are are teachable things, and I pray, God, that you would put them into our hearts, and, Lord, make us never, ever to judge a person's motives. May our motivation always be love for Jesus Christ and the gospel. Thank you, Father, for this time together, in Jesus' name, Amen.